The Life of Learning podcast presents The Neutral Zone. These are special episodes discussing Star Trek The Next Generation. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone. Today we have our regular host, Sabrina. We also have Sook. Hi Sook. Hi Sabrina. Hi. Hi. Today we are doing a special episode based around an episode of Star Trek. Now, Reggie, Sook and myself, it turns out we all love Star Trek and we decided it would be quite cool to deep dive and explore one favourite episode of ours and um, kind of look at it through all the different layers of the storytelling, the directing, acting, the politics. Um, I thought it'd be really great to explore all of what happens in one episode. Today, we are going to explore one of Sook's favourite episodes called Hollow Pursuits. And Sook, do you want to give us a synopsis of what happens? Yeah, um, so it starts off with um, introducing a new character, which is uh, Lieutenant Barkley. And um, it, the, funnily enough, the episode starts off with him in 10 forward, drinking and acting pretty much thuggish. And then um, he, Geordie LaForge comes in and tells him off because he should be on a shift rather than drinking. And then Riker comes in and is totally like reprimands him and he ends up knocking out Riker. And then you kind of realize he gets radioed to make his way to engineering and it turns out he was in a holodeck all along playing out a fantasy um, and then basically he just switches off the, the holo program and then that's how they introduce this character and then he goes about his real life and you realize he's nothing like the character he was playing in the in the holodeck and uh, it turns out he's very timid he can't look people in the eye he um He's the, the total opposite. And then throughout the episode, you kind of realize he's been shirking a lot of his responsibilities. He always turns up late. He can't speak up. He can't, he's socially awkward. And then you kind of realize more of his holodeck fantasies is where he lives. So he's kind of addicted to an almost holographic life where he's uh, the alpha male and all the characters are played by people that are above him or intimidate him on the enterprise and he seems to have um a thing for counselor troy um and then what one thing that struck me in this episode which is like how the rest of the crew treat him quite badly they, call, yeah. they give him a nickname which is broccoli yeah uh, back they're always kind of making fun out of him Riker. Wants to get rid of him. He, he's actually said he wants to get rid of him, and he recommends at one point to Picard to get rid of him. And it's only when Picard intervenes, it's like, no, the guy. If he's got issues, work on the issues. And he tells Geordie, befriend him and find out what's going on. Um, and at that point, you kind of really do. Geordie really tries. I have to give him that, even though he was a bit of a douche in, in the start of the episode. Um, and you kind of realize. There's a, a scene in it. There's a, there's a scene in it where Barkley talks about what, 
why he kind of almost goes in that place is because he's afraid. He's like anxious of socializing, talking to people um, and things like that. But one thing you realize watching the episode is Bach, he's quite brilliant as an engineer. Um, yeah. He's given a task to do and it, it doesn't work. And even though everyone's assuming, oh, it's Bach, he did something wrong. He kind of can't wrap his head around why it went wrong because he knows he'd done everything that he's supposed to do. And you kind of, you loads of people love this character, even though that was the first episode and he was brought back time and time and time again. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Barkley is an amazing character. And I think what I love about this episode is, um, and I've spoken to Sabrina about this in the past where um, he wasn't a perfect character. I mean, there's, there's people on the enterprise that they'll go through yeah. torture which they have they'll go through all kinds of stuff and then just brush it off and just carry on as normal Barkley was one of the most normal people and I think all of us in a new environment have dealt with social anxiety you know things like yeah. that um, I think there's a great line where he talks about um, he's the guy who kind of rehearses what to say at parties um, beforehand yeah. and then ends up talking to a plant or you know stuff like that yeah. I'm talking to people um i thought it was a fantastic episode <laughs> i have to say when we were asked to pick our favorite episode i couldn't pick so i just picked this one but there's so many others yeah brilliant i gotta throw that in there no brilliant no i'll tell you what I, one thing i would ask is um why you actually chose this one what really resonated with you on this one um, I think, um, oh, wow, because I had, I had about five, which I had mm-hmm. to pick this one because of the social anxiety yeah. um, element of it and the fact that, you know, not all the characters on Star Trek are really that nice all the time, if you know what I'm yeah. saying. It's quite intimidating. Um, I like that the... A real human character for once, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there was one thing that you said that I just want to pick up on. You said he didn't, he was in the holodeck, but when he leaves the holodeck, he didn't realise, he realised that he's not that character. I believe he does realise that he's not that character in the holodeck. Oh, no, I didn't mean that he realises he's not that character. It's like you realise while you're watching Oh, the- okay. Ah, got it. Okay. He's right. not like that at all. He's living out of fantasy, basically, in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Sabrina, do you want to jump in? Yeah, um, actually, I think Barclay is the most human uh, of uh, the, like, many people in the, the you know, the that have been through Federation training, they've become almost paragons. And what I liked about Barclay is that he, like other people learn to deal, like deal with their emotions so that, you know, it's barely a blip on the radar, but here's somebody who like is dealing with stuff the best that he can. And I can totally relate to that. Um, you know, sometimes things don't go perfectly. When he was talking about uh, you know, writing notes about what he would say at the party, and uh, then he'd end up like just sitting, you know, talking, you know, with a with a plant or something. I so related to that. I remember when I um, when I was a teenager, 
I would get anxiety even picking up the phone. And if I knew I was going to have a phone call, I would make a list of the stuff that I was going to, like bullet points of what I was going to say. And I'd probably write out the first paragraph of what I was, like uh-huh. I would do exactly the same thing. I, I, you know, used to be so nervous. I can completely understand how he felt. And also my heart broke listening to that because, you know, even though he's trying his best, he still ends up alone. And, um, uh, you know, this is a very vulnerable person, you know, uh, and he's he's trying his best. And Suk, you mentioned about the other people, um, the other the other characters, they were quite mean to him. And uh, in a way, I like that you get to see the other side of them too, because they're not all walking around being nicey-nicey. There's like normal human politics happening as well. Um, and yeah. that actually makes it more real. And then I thought that that was a good, good, good thing to see that uh, even in, a, you know, a Star Trek world, people are still people. So in the very first scene, when you find out that he's got a nickname behind his back and they're all calling him Broccoli, the thing that stuck out to me is I thought even Wesley, who is, you know, thought to be quite a lame character, even Wesley is ragging on him. <laughs> it's just like, that's how, that's how low... <laughs> low broccoli is and uh the fact that he's got like um uh that it's kind of caught on what do they they think basically like why broccoli because i don't know like he's some sort of silly vegetable that they have sitting around and i mm. thought it, yeah yeah i uh, i thought that was like a good insight into the character and all the people around him yeah suck what do you think? Yeah, I was going to say one of the things when Sabrina was talking about how they're being mean, I've kind of always found Riker to be a mean person. <laughs> Generally, he kind of talks down to a lot of people, especially uh, people who are beneath him. I mean, one of my favorite characters was Laren Rowe, who was in there for a short while. Um, and she, the way Riker talked down to her was just unbelievable. And mm. there's an so I think in the last season called Lower Decks, where they have some of the lower people um, yeah. want a promotion, and then Riker's mean to one of the guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in terms of, um, you know, the characters around, um, I was going to say Broccoli myself, Barkley, <laughs> um, yeah. This is almost like a work-life situation where you get people that are not, you know, can't really mix socially i mean i'm an engineer and um there are guys that uh, we call them propeller heads they're the guys that uh, you know would love to sit in a dark room and work on their networking and you know they'll be you know design networks and the, and, and that's their life they'll do that 24 7 and they're classed as I mean, I, I call them sort of like propeller heads. They're really out there. But put them in front of the customer to talk about the network or to talk about something that the customer can understand because he'll just geek out. He'll get really technical and the customer wouldn't even be able to, you know, understand what he's saying. Now, these guys are just socially just just can't handle that situation this is what reminds me of um of barclay technically he is so good why wouldn't you want him on the ship you know if he can sort out all these things so what you've got to try and do you've got to try and integrate him and which is what ultimately they try to do in the end but let you know but then he's just an outlier you know in the end you can't really get some can you really get someone to integrate into 
into sort of like the team building or the team um, environment? Can you get someone to do that? Is it is it possible or not? Or you, or you just say, here's his skill, let him carry on with doing what he can do on his own and then he can come back with a solution and then you can integrate what he's done. Can that person really be integrated into a team atmosphere? What do you think? Uh, I mean, to tell you the truth, I don't think he really needed to be integrated. I think Barclay's issue was his social anxiety, which led to his addiction of the hologram. I think just being, just Geordie being nice to him, encouraging him and stuff had already, because he, he can do the job. He can do yeah. it well. And you know what? He was quite brilliant at that point where Geordie asked him to look into something and he said he was going to do it anyway because he couldn't figure out why that, that transporting yeah. lifting didn't work. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they, he needed to, they needed to push integration. I just think he needed, you know, just like a friend, you know, like someone to say, you know what? You're doing well and you need to yeah. do well. Just carry on doing what you're doing. And that's pretty much what Geordie did, even though kind of reluctant. Yeah. Of course, Yeah, he needed that kind he, he needed that kindness. I thought like he's gone to the it's gotten to the stage where he's not like doesn't have any friends and um and Picard tells Geordie like be his best friend and you know Geordie makes an effort to talk to him like a human being like they're equals and the thing that struck out at me is even though Barclay had been kind of, you know, a bit, bit uh, downtrodden, he was very open, like he was very vulnerable, opening up to him and saying, you know, you don't know what it's like. And I thought even then, that small amount of kindness was all it took for Barclay to open up. Uh -huh. If this conversation uh -huh. had happened, like soon after he joined the, sh you know, the, the ship, like how, what a different relationship he could have had with everybody else as well and I thought Guinan was really astute when yeah. um, she was having the chat with Geordie and she's and and like she said you know it's you know maybe it's come to the be like this because maybe he's nervous because everybody she he knows everybody doesn't like yeah. him and I thought that, that's <laughs> yeah. exactly it you know it's a it's a vicious mm -hmm. circle really yeah mm -hmm. Reggie yeah, I think, um, yeah, so are we saying then that he's going to be a type of person that's, when he comes to team meetings, should he be brought in to those yeah. team meetings? Yeah, I do believe that he should be. I mean, he, Right, okay, he has, then, go, go on. He has social anxiety, um, so he's anxious about social engagements. The more he is there, I think the less that will be anxious for him because he's used to it. It's just the norm that it becomes. Yeah. And I think that he has to because the enterprise, it's all about conferring. You know, how many meetings do we see on the enterprise? It's all about people putting their ideas in. Because at the end of the day, if he's not in that meeting and he doesn't put his idea in that will work, you know, the ship could blow up. It could it could be it could be life-threatening. And yeah. by the so end Sabrina, of the I was just going to say, by the end of the yeah. episode, it did yeah. um, add stuff to it, which got them yeah. where they needed to go. Yeah. Sabrina? Yeah. Uh, actually, one of where my mind went was um, like thinking about Picard and 
in this episode, you show you see him show some real leadership skills. Yeah. First of all, when he finds out that they've all been uh, calling him like broccoli behind <laughs> his back, uh, and he, they, they just said, "Oh, it's a nickname that caught on." He immediately he nipped it in the bud. He said, "Make sure it's uncaught on." You know, he's like. Yeah stamping it out at the first sign of uh, bullying. It effectively is bullying. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that Data said, you know, uh, oh, uh, you know, a nickname is meant to be like a, a shared joke between friends, but you're, you know, saying it behind people's back. And he's exactly right. It wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't, there wasn't kindness behind it. it. They were kind of picking on him and he just didn't know it. So, um, the fact that even this uh, Picard caught up on and he said, stop it. And also, instead of, you know, just saying, let's kick him out. He's a uh, kick out Barkley. He's warming. Uh, he's not up to our standard that we expect. Let's get rid of him. And Picard says, no, let's look into, let's try and bring him in. Because he sees a member of his crew that is... Um, that is suffering and instead of discarding him at the first opportunity he wants to deal with it and that's another good sign because it, it's not like it, it, in a recent episode of discovery uh like the situation and uh what the admiral says you know you see a member of your crew drowning and you don't just let them go you you save them and mm. if you don't not only will your crew see you differently, you'll see yourself differently. So I see in this situation, Barkley is drowning and Picard is saying, let's throw him a lifeline and make him your best friend, which is, I think, also great coaching advice as well. Um, I, I did some coaching a couple, a couple of years ago and I had a, somebody coaching me as well, like helping me to become a better coach. And I remember a conversation where I said, you know what, I'm just not getting through to the person who, you know, they're not responding very well. They don't turn up to calls on time. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm not sure how I'm going to handle it. And my, my own coach said to me, well, have you thought about like what's going on in their life? Do you know what they're dealing with? You know, why aren't they, why are they late? Um, you need to know these kind of things because if you're not in their world, then that's basically their context for how everything is happening. You can't really like help them. So, it, and I, I had always thought of it as like a coach, uh, like I'm the coach and uh, like, Mm -hmm. kind of relationship but then when I put that to the side I thought if this was my friend I would want to know so yeah being the friend is necessary for being a good coach you know knowing their lives knowing what's bothering them because you can give them you, you can work much better if you're their friend also you're together working on a problem rather than you know somebody that's that doesn't understand that doesn't get it um it's more effective, definitely. And I, I see exactly the same thing happening here. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, to concur, I was quite surprised how he was treated because, I mean, I've coached, but the other thing is I've worked in a work environment where they have things like, um, you know, uh, performance evaluations that they sit down, appraisals, where they think, you know, this stuff isn't working. What's going on with you? How can we help? You know, and then they set goals for the future. There was none of that. And you think that's the flagship? <laughs> you know, it's, mm. it's that nobody really sat him down and spoke to him. Well, Councillor Troy tried, yeah. but then obviously yeah. 
Yeah. Oh god. We, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised he could like like he I'm surprised he even sat in the same room as her <laughs> what he's doing on the holodeck. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, a couple of things in terms of the, um, there's some, some funny things that came about. It was called, I think Geordie called it Holler Addiction. I think he said it yeah. was Holler Addiction, which I thought I found that quite funny because that's almost like people playing on computer games and being totally immersed into, totally. In, it, you know, into their games. One thing, it's escapism. Because yes. he's not the only character in Star Trek to have it because Janeway had it for like one episode of, of Voyager. Yeah, Geordie had it, didn't he? He, he fell in love with yeah, a character, didn't he? No, he yeah. fell in love with a hollow character. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and he mentioned it in this episode as well. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have to say this, though. With the holodeck, yeah? And I, I've spoken with Steen about this. Mainly what people use it is for sex, right? <laughs> so, I mean... I hate to go in there after a holodeck fantasy <laughs> and have a black light and just see what's on the walls and stuff. <laughs> I mean, they never kind of talk about it in Star Trek. Yeah. Also, I mean, if you was in the holodeck yeah. and you were doing whatever you were doing, then all of a sudden, Jordy and Riker can just come in there and just, you know... Yes! What, that's what, it. what about the privacy? <laughs> I mean, surely that's not right. I know! <laughs> Well, like, you know what? That, that stuck out at me as well, Reggie. I, I'm with you. They they shouldn't be allowed to just walk in in the middle of whatever you're doing. What if uh, you're in a vulnerable yeah. moment? <laughs> I, I was I was terrified what they would find. You know, imagine it had been a different mo- moment with uh, Councillor Troy. You know, oh it would have been God. even worse. <laughs> like you know, there was a. I have to say, this is one of the episodes I'm really impressed with Councillor Troy because she had quite a comical moment in there. Um, but not only that, she was kind of telling off Riker and stuff yeah. over the things. Yeah. yeah. But when she saw herself, I... that was so hilarious. When holiday, after she told Riker, no, don't switch off your characters because that's his, his business. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> she's herself. I, so I was thinking about this and it was... At, um, I think she had a fair point, <laughs> um, <laughs> but if like there's one thing about using somebody's likeness, but then there's one thing, uh, there's another thing about possibly using their bodies. <laughs> so uh, I can understand why she might have been icked out a bit more than Riker was. Yeah, of course, of course, because he only made Riker seem like an idiot where he uh, he was kind of you know, sleeping he's, with her. her yeah, he, yeah, he sexualized her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, yeah. I was thinking if, 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 Sabrina if uh, had a great like how... I was saying Sabrina had a great point the other day, like, back in the day when this episode was aired, she said, you know, we didn't think much of it, but in today's yeah. climate, you think there should be laws against using that image. Mm-hmm. I have to agree yeah, with that. Definitely. Yeah, it, this wouldn't be happening if it was made made now. Um, like the idea of like it is a violation, you know. Some right now, if you basically.
quickly, if I wanted to use a, your image for my own, you know, I wouldn't even be able to make my own TV series or whatever using your image. Why is it okay to make a, an entirely lifelike version of you, which I can do whatever I want? I don't think mm. that would go down well. Um, it's kind of, uh, yeah, that, that wouldn't, yeah, invasion, wouldn't work. Invasion of privacy, nowadays. isn't it? Yeah, invasion of privacy, even though you don't know about it. Privacy, I'd say it's, you know, a, a, a violation of your yes. body because you're like, my body belongs to me. Um, wouldn't you be like, I, I can think of so many women that would be creeped out by the idea of somebody like getting a copy of their bodies and then like, and also maybe even their personality and then maybe tweaking bits of their personality yeah. to be exactly like so many stalkers would have a field day with, with this yeah. kind of stuff, you know, holidays, mm. they could just, uh, and so definitely there'd have to be a rule about you can't use real people's likenesses. You can make your own uh, like person, but you can't copy them. I, mm. I, I think that would not go. You know what? When this was made, it was different times, and we can't judge the program uh, and the storytelling and how it was made based on the time that we have right now. At like at the time it was made, it was like I when I watched first time I was a kid, and I didn't think very very much of it. I didn't even think like occurred to me. Yeah. Oh, you know that that would be unacceptable. I just kind of took it for what it was and didn't think too hard about it and you know we i, I can't judge the show based on that it it, it uh it was a different time and yeah. we would do things differently now but it's uh, that's just how how society is yeah no i, th I think what, what you just said there and i think it's good because you're we're exploring at the time that it's, it's, it's historical you know we're, it's almost like a snapshot of what was going on at the time so it's almost like uh you know going back into the libraries and saying what did people think and what did people view look at what they actually produced at that time in the 80s they produced this type of scene this type of character this type of situation wow isn't that bad back if you went back 20 years you'd see something even worse so you know it's, it's not a critique of it it's just Showing, you know, it's telling us what's happening at the time. I mean, and totally. I mean, because uh, they've got those shows. It was all right in the seventies, and it was yeah. all right in the eighties, where they show you old clips of stuff that was all right back then. Yeah. And then you were just yeah. like, you're like, hang on, I was around in the eighties. <laughs> this ain't gonna bother me. And then all of a sudden, something you're like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. In terms of, because um, I think. Um, we spoke about this before, um, talk about Guinan's character. And I've forgotten about Guinan's character. I really did. Uh, you know, because when she came into, the, I think she came in, was it the second, the third um, season? I think it was the third season yeah. she came in. I mean, for me, that's when, you know, Next Generation took yes. off. Not, not yeah. because of her, but just everything was good. But you, know, you mentioned about the character of Guinan and, you know, um, when they were writing for her and you know how she came in and stuff like that basically she said she wanted to come in and yeah explore yeah. that tell us about that so basically um back in the 60s when the original series was on that ahura the character that played ahura the actor actress she um was one of the first black people you'd see yeah in yeah. that kind of a science fiction role in, in general it was very positive 
um, she was a big fan of it back in the day. And then when this series started, um, she phoned up and says, you know what, I'm a big fan of Star Trek. Can I get a role? So then they, they thought, you know what, that's a big name, Whoopi Goldberg, especially mm. you, right? Yeah. You know? Jumping Jack Flash, all those movies, you know, Fatal Beauty. So so they kind of wrote her in, but they kind of gave a lot of Counselor Troy's, what should have been Counselor Troy's lines and jobs to her as like the, the bartender who's the like kind of like a, as a therapist, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, I think that kind of Counselor Troy, I think that was a bit unfair, but then I would not imagine... A show without Guinan, that show without Guinan in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So go on, Sabrina. What are you going to say? Something? Yeah. Um, I completely agree with Sook. Um, I can't imagine Whoopi Goldberg not being in that role. Um, it's, it's a shame because uh, they let Councillor Troy's character become a bit flat because she needs, yeah. she needs that extra depth to her. And really, that's poor writing that they couldn't do more of that as well. And it shouldn't be a, oh, there's only a finite amount of wisdom to be in this, you know, only one person gets uh, gets it, but the other person doesn't. It, it can be given to both, you know? No, yeah. I, I, you mentioned wisdom. See, this is the thing that I think there's totally different between them. One was providing counselling, touchy-feely stuff, and the other one was providing wisdom and really great depth and knowledge about sort of like things that people couldn't understand. So I think I think they whether she got the better lines, but I think they in terms of the way they were on the show. I think they they were different. Yeah, but don't you feel like? Counselor Troy's character would have been wiser had she done the stuff that Troy, that um, Guinan had done, you know? Yeah, but, but true. Yeah. But, um, they did improve Troy's character yeah. uh, later on. Um, and the ironic thing was, I heard, it's because um, she'd lost her body, so they couldn't put her in that counselling <laughs> as I can do. So they, they gave her character then, which I think is very bad yeah. as for Star Trek, who is supposed to be above stuff like that? Uh, yeah, but I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, women in skin tight suits? I mean, that's gone on for, you know, forever and a day, hasn't it? But yeah. it's just, just coming back to Guinan, I just, her outfits are absolutely amazing. They you know, are. The hats. I mean, I don't think there's any character that probably has had better designed costumes than her. <laughs> it looks on a Troy, maybe. Uh, no, I don't know. I just like Guinan's one because they're just really flamboyant yeah. and just not over the top, but grand yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. You know what? I, I know that you, But yeah. you know what? A lot of Guinan's was absolutely brilliant. But then a lot of the costumes in, in Next Generation particularly weren't that great. But hers, she pulls it off. And I think it's, it's just her. Because you've got to realize, as well as the hat and everything, her movements are so subtle. Yeah. And, you know, things like that. You know, mm, mm, mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there was one point that uh, I had to mention. So, Councillor Troy is meant to be an empath, right? Mm. Um, when Barclay goes into her for that real counseling <laughs> session, yeah, like how is it that she couldn't feel that he was um, scaroused? You know, <laughs> like how could she not tell what was going on there? I think any woman could, but she's got the extra, like, she must know exactly how he feels. She should have run, running out there. 
No, no. Do you know what? I, I have a theory about that because I thought about this. I go, but do you know what? At that point when he went to see the real Councillor Troy, I reckon he wasn't horny at all. I think he was just bricking it and she could sense that his anxiety and his fear, but nothing else. Mm. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. I feel there was something else. You know, when she kind of sidled up next to him, I, I could feel like the temperature rising. <laughs> she would have felt something then. Yeah, I, I think he was just... I could feel it. Himself, from just not to let, let himself be known, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. See, well, on, on the Barclay character, the actor, um, I read somewhere or listened to somewhere that they said this was really, really good acting by, I can't remember, I don't even remember the guy's name. I can't remember his Oh, good. Did you, I was going to say, you, you, you know he was Mad Howling Murdoch in the A-Team. Yeah, that's right. In A-Team. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah. Well, they said that he, in terms of the way he portrayed this character in this particular episode, one, he had to be a different character than a holodeck. Second, he had to be yeah. a different character in in his so-called real life then at yeah. the end he had to be sort of like a, a an amalgamation of those two characters at the end so he almost played three roles and they said that you know just in terms of a, a show that's only 45 minutes long he showed a really great range of um of acting. going into the future that actor had to play Barkley in quite a few episodes and nearly every episode he had he had some kind of transformation mm-hmm. like there was one where he became super intelligent mm confident and then there was mm-hmm. another one where he was on voyager where he had to um he had to play a completely different character like it was a hologram that was beamed mm-hmm. over and he was a totally different character from the Barkley. so so the actor has played Barkley yeah. so many different ways in, in mm. the years yeah so sabrina you were gonna say mm. yeah i was gonna say um um, fantastic acting but also for the character the thing that that was his gift was his imagination and mm. it kind of surprised me that the crew didn't appreciate that because I think to be a gifted worker you need you need imagination you know you need to be able to create links between things that you know people haven't thought of before I think that that is key to problem solving and yeah. so it kind of surprised me that they didn't they didn't appreciate that as much so, um I'm, I'm certainly glad that they did by the end yeah really why Barclay is loved so much and I have to ask Sabrina this that description of the imagination mm-hmm. would you yourself that you have some of that going I would say, would you, with the Barclay description that you gave, would you think that's part of your personality, with your imagination and the way you... It's something something that I value. It's something that's important to me. And it's something that I like seeing in other people as well. It makes for interesting conversations. It's just, yeah, interesting people. Something that I I think is important. Yeah, I do believe with Barclay, everyone sees a bit of themselves in Barclay. That's why they brought him back so many times. That's why he's popular. Yeah. yeah. On that, in terms of, because there's a line from um, Guinan, she said that, and I wrote it down because it's, 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 it's me, because I'm an engineer, and it said, yeah. "What you engineering types don't appreciate imagination. Now, I was like that. Because I, you know, I'm into maths. I'm a network engineer. You know, we're meant to be, you know, it's either right or wrong. But 
over in the last probably seven or eight years, I've got into being more creative. But then I'll look back and say, I probably was creative then in the first place, because in order to solve these problems, you need to be creative. So I was creative, I was imaginative before, but I, I didn't probably recognise it. So that's the reason why I really, really love this episode, because it, it, it brought that to me, the engineering imagination sort of thing. So, yeah. Interesting. Yes. All uh, right. Uh, any funny bits? Can we just mention that hilarious moment? Can we just mention that hilarious moment when yeah. um, Picard was yes. meeting with <laughs> with the other with the others, yeah. and uh, then he turned to him and went, "Mr. Brockley," and just that that delicious look on yeah. Picard's face when he was himself in it and just the way that they all looked at each other absolutely brilliant comic timing why do you think they put that in because you mentioned that they said Picard was you know larger than life and you know he's handled the problem properly is do you think they said yeah. they put that in to show a flaw in him as well he's not you know um, you know Mr Perfect uh, I, do don't, I don't think it's even um even that much, I think purely for comedic effects, because he's okay. the last person you expect it from. Yes. Okay. And yeah. even okay. it's even kind of implanted itself in his brain, somebody who's actively trying to stamp it out. And it's, it, this is how it caught on in the first place. People heard it, thought, made them chuckle a bit on the inside. And then it just spread like that. And even Picard, he can't help it, but it's implanted itself in his brain. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It's the same gag with the Councillor Troy in the holodeck. She just told them off or something, and then she ends up kind of doing it herself. But um, yeah. I think Picard is a funny character, um, and he's done some mm. pretty funny things. Um, do you guys ever remember this episode where Data has a girlfriend, and he's going around asking the whole crew for advice on relationships? And mm -hmm. then he gets... What, what's... And he, Sorry, go on, carry on. He goes, excuse me, sir. And Picard just turns around. Uh, Mr. Day, I understand you're going around and asking all the crew members, you know, any advice on how to understand a woman. Yeah. And, and Day goes, that is correct, sir. And he goes, when I have some, I'll let you know. And then he just walks off. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, you'll have to you'll have to talk, i'll have to watch that episode i'll have to put that one on my list <laughs> you know what yeah. just watch the whole thing again okay i mean is it yeah there's a, um oh i'll see what i for me as well um uh i, I like that they obviously my name's reg and then he said Geordie called him Reg and I thought oh okay that's my name so I thought that was quite <laughs> for me that was funny that was funny I thought but apparently they used that name they used that as a nickname going forward is that his real name in character or not I don't know I think so I think it is Reginald yeah. it's Reg Barkley yeah okay got it okay cool okay yeah uh, the other thing I was gonna what time out what no, 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 carry on, carry on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, with Guinan, um, one of the things is what we're supposed to do in this episode was talk about our favourite males and females. Um, one of the things I realised about Guinan, um, Guinan was on my list, but then I realised she, nothing's personal with Guinan. She's just the wise one. So it's not like she's ever had to tackle major issues herself, which made me take it off. But I really do like the fact you have one character who will just say something profound, the Yoda. 
like on the ship kind of mm. thing. Yeah. Give so, Brian that. Mm. Very much the sage, but you never hear about her personal yeah. problems. She's just there to serve other people, like literally uh, on the on the bar, but also with her advice. Um, yeah, I, I think she would appeal more if you got to find out her story and what was happening with her. Um, I think that's probably one, like, yeah, one thing where you don't get to see behind the curtain. She's kind of an enigmatic figure, kind of drops pearls of wisdom and then disappears. Yeah. Yeah, but then would it work though? Would you did did we ever get a guy in an episode? I don't remember. Well, the, the only closest thing we got was where Guinan... Sorry, did we get an... Sorry, a Guinan episode, sorry, did you say? No, we never got a Guinan episode. Yeah, guy, in... yeah a Guinan-centric. No, um, she obviously she talked about the Borg and how they drove her people out um, when the Borg first appeared. The other thing is, obviously, in Generations, she talked about she was stuck in the Nexus um, for a short while. Other than that, not much. Mm, okay. Like in general, watching this episode made me think, you know what, what brilliant storytelling it was. And kind of, especially compared to some of the things that I like, maybe more recent Star Trek series, but definitely like TV series in general, in that you don't need like amazing special effects. It's more. Like the heart of it is the warmth and the storytelling and the interaction between the characters. And yeah. certainly yeah. this stands For up sure. in terms of like, you don't, you don't have to have a big budget to have something that really connects with you. And I mean, this uh, is what this episode yeah. I had a very similar experience going back and watching these episodes, you realize how much better it is than the stuff they've come out with afterwards. I mean, I'm still hopeful for the stuff afterwards. Because I was saying this to Sabrina, yeah. the first two seasons of The Next Generation are really not that good. And only yeah. after the third season yeah. does it get brilliant. And you know what, with Discovery, I'm finding the same thing. I'm really loving some of the stuff they're mm. doing in the third season. I think they um, there's room for improvement, but I think a lot of the stuff they experimented, which I, I can't knock them on, I think it's finding more of a route now. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, to be honest, I think that's so, yeah. I think that's just in sort of like in life, isn't it? The first time you do something, it's not going to be great, and to, when you get into your stride, you know, like with Star Trek, the, yeah. you know, the second and the third season, then you get into your stride. Then you, you know, you I don't know. You just, you just hopefully you, you hopefully you get better and improve. Some shows tank, and you know, yeah. that's what happens. But you know, I think that's just in life, isn't it? I mean, I think there's it was the same yeah. with. Bad. It was the third season. The third season seems to be the sweet spot where they kind of find their, their footing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think the issue that we have is so basically they took about 40 episodes before they started getting good. How many yeah. uh, things do you give like 40 goes at before you think, mm, yeah. you know, and they probably would have carried on. So maybe, you know, they would have had like, and you know, aiming for like 60, 100. You, ha you have to do way more than whatever you think you might um yeah might need to yeah. me and Reggie were talking about this podcast or podcasting in general and we said well you know we're gonna have to like just do some episodes and they might not be perfect but 
it, that's how we're going to learn and improve. And that's exactly what Star Trek was doing was improving like stealthily bit by bit to the point where you can say, oh, third season, absolutely brilliant from then on. You know, I would be really happy if I could get to the point where I would just be, you know, excellent from then on. But yeah. Uh, I, th I thought that, that that's a great microcosm of just learning in general. And yeah, I'll tell you what as well, you've got this, there are some good episodes in episode in season two, the emissary one, where yeah. Wolf's ex-girlfriend comes. That is really, really good. There's there's yeah. a couple of good ones in there. There are not many, yeah, are. but there's a couple. I mean, there's the, the, the I, one. I have to say, I started from, sorry, I have to say I started from episode one and I, um, uh, <laughs> I used to watch it when, like, after school, uh, but I recently rewatched it, season one, and I put the first episode on, and I thought, "This is awful. I can't watch this." <laughs> it was yeah, just such a disappointment problem, compared right? to the memories of the episodes that I had. It was just absolutely like I had to. I was cringing, and I like certain characters. I thought, "Oh, how on earth did anybody watch this? Like, how could they tolerate it? How could they let and you know more than one season be made of this?" And even that's me knowing how good it got later on. And yeah. uh, so uh, it was. It was really nice to see. Uh, great episodes from uh, later on in the series is okay can can, can we Sorry, talk about the real cringeworthy episode where they go on an Af uh, african centric civilization planet and they ask for tasha ya like like that's the thing it's like they want to as a slave or something you know mm -hmm. that, yeah that episode was banned for a short while i don't know why they stuck it back in mm, yeah I was going to say, it took a while to get into their stride, but you could see seeds of goodness at the beginning of uh, some of these episodes. Yeah. 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 You know, again, um, killing off one of the major characters, Tasha Yar, in the first season. I mean, she was well-liked and stuff like that. Yeah. I know she wanted to come off the show, didn't she? Was that rumour? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. She definitely I heard did. I she yeah. wanted to leave it. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, she didn't feel like she was doing much in the show, that like mm. a character. Because she goes, there's episodes where you just see her legs in the background. And then yeah. that, so she came up with that. I think that's what made TNG so good because yes. uh, in the funeral episode, it showed that these characters just didn't work together. They, um, they felt for each other. Yeah. And I think they went down that route and humanized the crew mm. more than, than uh, a lot of the, the original series did, you know? Yeah. And you think about it, shows of that era, even before that, how many of them killed off major characters? How many None. of them? None. I mean, this you is know. why I felt like, um, in Voyager, because they were by themselves. A lot of people should have died and a lot of people, you know, <laughs> things could have happened, no? Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. one of the worst deaths, which I, I, I did feel bad was when they killed off, um, who was it? Um, Dax. Jadzia Dax. Mm -hmm. It was like towards the end as well. It was like, why? <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, I can't remember that, but yeah. <laughs> any uh, any other thoughts before? No. Uh, the... I was going to say, Reggie, going back so... to Reginald Barkley. Reginald Barkley. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I always felt, you know, like for how they moved um, Chief O'Brien over to Deep Space Nine, because that's a mm -hmm. character I felt they could have, um, you know, learned more about. And when they moved him over there, he became more of a... Uh, a higher character with story plots and stuff. They mm -hmm. could have done 
Reginald Barclay and moved him over to Deep Space Nine. That would have been nice to see how that character then mm. you know, carried on and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I must admit, I've never, I've never really thought about that. Um, you know, but he, he, did, he did come back in Voyager, didn't he? Um, Barclay? Yeah, no? yeah, yeah. The boy okay. for the odd episodes, but I would have liked to see his full story. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, as I said, I, looking at this episode, I forgot all about Barclay. So, thanks for reintroducing him back into the <laughs> into my mind for for Star Trek. So, yeah. One of one of the things I made a note of was um, what is reality, because they're talking about his uh, addiction to the holodeck. And uh, he said he said that the holodeck to him is more real than everything like mm. outside of that world. And I thought mm. um, there's going to become a stage where you know you don't want to deal with real life, and virtual reality is going to be, um, let's say, near near imper- like imperceptibly different to what is outside. Who would want to live in you know? what is reality anyway um so i thought that actually posed an interesting question or kind of was quite prescient and uh, probably something that we'll be exploring in the the next few years coming up but yeah. you know what? I, I think it's happening right now because there's people that go mm-hmm. online and like the online world is more real to them like all their friends are online you know they they constantly you know, there's the people who can't go out and socialize today because they've only been brought up to socialize online by putting pictures of themselves up, you know, the meals that they're eating, stuff like that. Um, so we're kind of like in that space already. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the reason why we like Star Trek because um, it forced, you know, it was, um, what's that, what's that, foresaw the future you know, what it was going to be like and, you know, holler addiction and um, fantasy yeah. and, you know, and stuff like that. So, no, that's the reason why we like it, I think. I, I think yeah. I, I think it's because it explores humanity and, yeah. like, human beings, their character, like, all, all of that is going to apply, you know, all this politics. Even if we went a thousand years ago, we would still have these interactions with each other because humans are kind of, we're, this, we're still the same machines, effectively, you know, having yeah. the same set of emotions, you get that same politics coming up. So these are going to be recurring. And the reason why Star Trek is kind of timeless is because it's exploring humanity, these themes will always be recurring and it will always be of like uh, useful, always be, you know, uh, feel like it's very current and it will always resonate with people um, because of how it's been created and what it mm-hmm. sets out to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the things with Star Trek is being so relevant is I was talking to Sabrina about this, like uh, we were talking about Beverly Crusher and how she's like almost like a perfect person. Like, um, like there's characters that you love all have a flaw. Picard, he can't really socialize with the rest of the crew because he's put a divide between himself and the crew. Data has no emotion, so he's always striving to understand humanity like emotions um laforge he kind of separates himself from everyone anyway i mean his best friend's a robot you know uh, um, uh, and a hologram you know Worf, he's like a, a <laughs> he believes you know separate anyway because you know i'm, I'm a warrior and stuff um, all these, 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 
characters have something that separates them and allows them not to mingle. And that's one of the key things when you're coaching as well. One of the key beliefs that people have is I am different. So I don't belong. And you know, a lot of stuff comes from there. But then you get Beverly Crusher. She's perfect. She's a doctor. She's a scientist. She's got perfect hair, you know, all the time, you know, and, and that's why that character isn't really attractive. Whereas with Star Trek, I think it gives people almost like a window to see themselves. You might be in this perfect utopian future, but people are still flawed and people still find it hard to connect. And, mm. you know, at one point, I think people, go on, I was going to say people believe all Star Trek fans were kind of nerdy and reclusive anyway. Yeah. Uh, socially awkward. And I think that's why Barclay is the best example of social awkwardness. And I think that's what makes it mm. so great. Uh, first of all, I thought I don't. Um, she might just be well adjusted. <laughs> I think the flaw <laughs> is in the the blandness of her character. You look at anybody close enough, and you'll find yeah. something interesting about them. You, you'll find that they quite, there's not <laughs> one single human being that doesn't have problems in some area. And the fact that we're looking at her and thinking, oh, she's just perfect, therefore she's boring. That for me says poor storytelling, like poor writing on her behalf, because you're not looking at her in a real way. Because if you were, you would not, you would find out these things. You might find out about you know heartbreaks that she's had, uh, she has that have like you know impacted her relationships now, or you know something else that she's dealing with. The fact that we don't know what's going on, it's yeah. like yeah, it, it is poor writing for that character they're not mm. treating her like a human like they have oh um, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, to make a character really really interesting they have to struggle and as you connect yourself to a character through their struggles she has episodes where it's beverly crusher centric but you never get that you know mm. beverly crusher has this to overcome mm. you know and, and that that's what basically that's how she wins the episode Mm-hmm. Mm. I tell you what, Stuck, I just want to jump on what you said about um, Star Trek fans being sort of like geeky and uh, and whatever. I've heard, read, not some, I saw a YouTube video and they said that Barclay, people, fans were thinking that Barclay represented Star Trek fans, you know. Okay. But you know what, um, I, I said it's, it's perceived that they're like that. Yeah? Yes, yes. Like, it, it yeah. is for sure. From a young age, I was a Star Trek fan, and you know, from a young age, uh, was it which was it? It was a uh, Delirious. Eddie Murphy said that he was a Star Trek fan, and then again in Boomerang. So it's like if Eddie Murphy, who was a big star at the time, is a Star Trek fan, so then there's a diverse lot of Star Trek fans out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Star Trek's are meant to be sort of like geeky, techie, nerdy, isn't it? That's you know that that's the perception you know one thing you realize there's loads and loads of different type of trek fans you know there's mm-hmm. even trek fans that support trump yeah go figure yeah but mm. there's a whole lot of trek <laughs> that are all about the ships yeah like the ships and getting the schematics and things like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm Technical. interested in the characters you know and there'll be like another mm. stuff and who's into like klingon sex or something you know it's also mm-hmm. there's like like a whole diverse reason why people like Trek. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Yeah. 
I think Star Trek is good for people that want to explore different ideas and kind of explore hum humanity. Uh, I, I read Gene Roddenberry. He basically wrote these as morality tales and we kind of get to explore different philosophical dilemmas by living through these stories. And I think that that's why, well, that's certainly why I find it interesting. And I think when I watched it for the first time, how much it must have impacted my thinking and empathy and understanding how other people yeah. work just by watching these shows. And probably it has affected the way I am now because it got me thinking about that at an early age, about how you treat other people, you know, what values are, you know, all these sorts of things. And, you know, I think it's made me a better person. Yeah, I'd agree from the same experience for me as well. Yeah. You mentioned Gene Roddenberry's ethics. You know the reason why the Prime Directive exists? Because in the 60s, it was all about Vietnam, which was the big thing. So not interfering in another country was so important because that's what a lot of Americans believed at the time, that why are we fighting a war in Vietnam, you know, interfering in, in the way they feel about their country? And that's why the Prime Directive, he thought of it. I think we've, uh, we've deep-dived into this episode. Uh... Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Really good choice, Zook. Um, I can't wait to for us to talk about the next one, which is going to be Sabrina. <laughs> it's going to be a surprise because uh, that's how we roll. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Not a surprise to us, but a surprise to everyone else. <laughs> it's not a surprise to us. We're totally prepared, but it's going to be a surprise <laughs> for whoever's, watching, whoever's listening. And uh, yeah, can't wait to discuss that one next so uh i had a great time thanks everyone yeah really really enjoyed it guys bye bye bye